Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, you can always follow me online, E.W. Erickson, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, you name it. If you text the word data, D-A-T-A, to 33777, you can subscribe to my daily email. Man, you get the show notes email right out of the gate at noon. And it is the best uh, prep for your day. It's all the links of all the stuff I'm looking at, whether I talk about it or not, on air. You can get it. you got to be a subscriber. But also, if you text DATA to 33777, I will send you back my list of people to vote for in Georgia. Um, you can use it as your list to vote for, or you can say, oh, well, if Erickson likes them, I'm going to vote against them. Um, that's fine, too. It's all fair game. Lo- love me, hate me, whatever. I did vote for Latham Sadler for the Senate. Uh, he's a good dude. Uh, I voted for Brian Kemp, voted for Butch Miller, voted for Brad Raffensperger. I voted for Chris Carr. I voted for John King. My gosh, John King, that man's an American hero. You should be voting for that guy for insurance commissioner. Save that department. Uh, you know, the old insurance commissioner got carted off to jail. King had to come in and save it. Uh, and then I voted for Bruce Thompson for uh, commissioner of labor. Uh, Bruce is a dear friend, good guy. You know, I've told people a story over the years about the state senator in North Georgia and his county gets all the uh, ministers together, the rabbis, the clerics, the priests, the pastors, and was able to get them finally to coordinate and have churches go into public schools and boost literacy rates and stuff. That's Bruce Thompson. That's him. That's the sort of guy he is. He's running for labor commissioner. He'll be fantastic. Uh, so vote for him. Um, now, we got to get into national politics, but it actually is a Georgia story. You've probably heard the soundbite by now. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business, but we are the worst state in the country to live. That's Stacey Abrams, the president of United Earth. She also wants to be the governor. I mean, how can you be the president of Earth and also the governor of Georgia? I don't know. But, I mean, I thought she already was the governor of Georgia, Pennsylvania, and the other 48 states, 57 in Barack Obama's America. I thought she was, but no, she's running for governor of the state, she says, is the worst place in America to live. But I think that clip does a disservice to her. I think that clip is unfair because she goes on to explain herself what she's talking about. And I always get criticized by people for playing clips that are slightly longer, less soundbitey, but I think proper context is necessary and it's intellectually honest to put it in proper context. And I actually think in her case, if you stop for just 10 seconds and think about it, it's even worse. It's worse. It sounds like she's got a plausible explanation for why she says that. But it's worse. There's But there's one thing I want you to listen to. She's speaking to Democrats in the state of Georgia. She's speaking to Democrats in the state of Georgia, that state wherein she wishes to be governor. Before she even gets to her explanation, she says Georgia is the worst place to live. Listen to the Democrats applaud her saying that. 
if the clip will fire up again. Here we go. We're on Wi-Fi in the station, and my gosh. Well, that was kind of anticlimactic, wasn't it? We're in the, the, the clip in the station, and the Wi-Fi froze on me. Here we go. Let's see if we can get her now. I got her now. I don't want to get her, but I got her. Well, this is embarrassing. Here we go. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. Listen, that's Democrats. They're applauding her for saying Georgia's the worst place to live. Yeah, we suck. World Series champions, college football champions, we suck. Clearly, these people are like Cubs and Georgia Tech fans in the crowd. I mean, the, the, the self-loathing of these people. She says, we're the worst place to live. They're like, yes, we suck. We love it. We love you, Stacy. But listen in context, the full thing. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. Now, somebody's going to try to politifact me on this, so let me contextualize. When you're number 48 for mental health, when you're number one for maternal mortality, when you have an incarceration rate that's on the rise and wages that are on the decline, then you're not the number one place to do to live in the United States. But we can get there. Now, we got to go back through her explanations. Listen to this again, and I'm going to stop and start and stop and start. Somebody's going to try to politifact me on this, so let me contextualize. When you're number 48 for mental health. You know what? Not only is that not true, according to the CDC, but the state of Georgia under the Republicans, led by the Speaker of the House, David Ralston, just passed a comprehensive reform package for mental health in the state of Georgia that Stacey Abrams wanted nothing to do with because she couldn't take the credit for it, but it passed with overwhelming bipartisan support. Abrams wouldn't touch it because she knew she wouldn't get any credit for it. When you're number one for maternal mortality. That also is not true. Mississippi is, not Georgia. Now listen, I mean... Maybe she's pulling the facts out of somewhere I can't access. But according to this thing called the Internet and this thing called Google, it's Mississippi, not Georgia. In fact, Georgia's not even in the top 10. When you have an incarceration rate that's on the rise. Why is that a bad thing? We've had all these criminals in, in the number of shootings in Atlanta. The number of criminal acts in Atlanta are going up and finally we're arresting people instead of letting them out of prison. Why is an increasing incarceration rate a bad thing unless you don't want to support the police and fight crime? How is it bad that we're putting people in jail and protecting law-abiding citizens? Only Stacey Abrams and the left thinks an increase in incarceration rate is bad. And wages that are on the decline. Wages are on the decline because of Joe Biden's policies, not because of Brian Kemp's policies. In fact, Brian Kemp in Georgia just brought in the largest electric vehicle manufacturing facility in the nation. It's going to pay above average wages for over 8,000 Georgians uh, down in Bryan County near Savannah for Hyundai. Also, there's the Rivian plant. Very controversial in Morgan County, Georgia. It's a huge controversy. That those of you not listening and not from Georgia don't know about, but it's a big controversy is how they got the deal done. But all of the jobs will pay well above minimum wage and there will be multiple thousands of jobs. The decline in wages 
is because of Joe Biden's policies, not because of something happening in the state. You're not the number one place to do to live in the United States, but we can get there. Not with you, Stacey. When you can't even get the data right, you want to disparage your state. You want to confuse us with Mississippi. I mean, honestly, the people in Mississippi and Alabama listen to Stacey Abrams say, well, damn, I mean, I thought we had it bad. Thank God it's it's not actually the data she's using is for them. She's taking the Mississippi data and conflating it to Georgia. The states don't even look alike. I mean, at least Alabama and Mississippi look flipped over. I mean, divided by their single line family tree. That That's it. Uh, Georgia, we've actually, we don't look like either of those states. How did she, how is she confusing Georgia for Mississippi? How is she attacking the decline in wages when it's a national problem? It's not just a Georgia problem. Well, my friends, the New York Times has a big story today. Here's the headline. Democrats fight headwinds in Georgia and beyond. The problem is reality. That's the quote. Standing at the pulpit of Ebenezer Baptist Church, the spiritual home of Martin Luther King Jr., the Reverend Raphael Warnock, led a sermon on the last Sunday before Georgia's Tuesday primaries that was about getting to where you need to go and navigating the challenges ahead. Rise up and transform every opposition, every obstacle into an opportunity. Warnock urged he was not explicitly talking about his other job as a United States senator or the fact that he was one of the most endangered Democrats in the country in 2022 or the headwinds confronting his party, but he might as well have been. Don't you dare sleep on Tuesday, he said. Democrats were excited for Stacey Abrams, the former state legislator and voting rights activist, to jump into the 2022 governor's race, promising a potential rematch of the 2018 contest she only narrowly lost. She did not only narrowly lose it. She narrowly lost the opportunity to be in a runoff. She would have still lost the runoff. But this is how the media, how the mythology of Stacey Abrams has sunk into even good reporters. Jonathan Martin is a good reporter here. Mr. Warnock has emerged not only as a compelling speaker, but also as one of his party's strongest fundraisers. Yet the growing fears for Democrats is that even the strongest candidates and recruits can outrun President Biden's wheezing approval ratings by only so much and are at risk of getting washed away in a developing red wave. I think 2020 was a referendum on Trump, says Ashley Fogel, 44-year-old Democrat who lives in Atlanta and attended Ebenezer Church on Sunday. I just don't know if there's the same energy in 2022. Oh, but wait. Oh, but wait. It gets better. Democrats, let me read you this. Mrs. Abrams, Ms. Abrams has emerged as a national star among Democrats. I mean, quite literally, she's like president of United Earth and Star Trek now. But privately, pay attention here, Democrats, pay attention here. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to do a better job here. I'm going to get an angry note from Charlie, but I got to do this in proper context. I got to do this. I got to set the mood. Ms. Abrams has emerged as a national star among Democrats. But privately, 
Democratic strategists fear her high-water mark might have come in 2018 when she lost. Most polling shows a close race for governor and Senate, with a slight Republican advantage. As general election matchups come into focus, Mr. Biden's advisors argue there's still time to crystallize a clear choice. But Republicans and the polling seems to suggest the opposite. Democrats have grown dire, their mood dour, and Democratic strategists are privately fretting that the time to change voters' minds and persuade them has come to an end. I'm so sorry, Democrats. Don't, don't you love the I mean, I needed to do the mood music for you. Makes you feel better at least to have like, like Ken Burns documentary style in there. You're toast. You have Stacey Abrams say Georgia is the worst place in America to live. Now, let me, for those of you outside of Georgia who don't understand the problem here, get this. In 2018, two weeks before the election, a hurricane rolled through the southeast. It was the first time Georgia had been hit by a Category 5 hurricane. Hurricane Michael came up through the Florida panhandle and devastated South Georgia. Suicides among the farming community in South Georgia jumped by over 25%. Farmers who were on the edge of bankruptcy lost everything, and the federal government was no help getting the money. Farmers began committing suicide. And Stacey Abrams went to South Georgia to campaign. And you know what she told the farmers in South Georgia, many of whom knew people who had committed suicide? Well, you don't have to be in the ag industry anymore. You can move to Atlanta and get a job in the service industry. She literally said that to a group of people whose friends were committing suicide and all of their crops were wiped out. That's what she said. You don't have to get a job in the agriculture industry anymore. You can go to Atlanta and wait tables. For God's sakes, it was one of the most heartless, tone-deaf things ever. And two weeks later, she got wiped out in farm communities across Georgia. And now she has given Brian Kemp of the Republicans another talking point. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business, but we are the worst state in the country to live. And the Democrats all cheer right off the cliff. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got him as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, 
They've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. I am so disappointed in myself. I am. Usually I'm the one with the brilliant, thoughtful hot takes. And yet Charlie and my buddy Jason both texted me. I glance at Charlie doesn't let me look at my text messages during the show anymore. He's programmed so that only he can send me text messages during the show. So during commercial break, I have to go to a different device and look. And they both made the same point. The energy of the Democrats cheering Stacey Abrams, saying Georgia's the worst state to live, is pretty much the same energy when they decided to, when they added God to the Democratic platform back when Obama was president and the Democrats started booing that they'd done. It's the same energy right there. Boo God and cheer on that Georgia is the worst state to live. I'm very disappointed in myself for not thinking of that myself. That's all right. Oh, have I got a doozy of some audio to play for y'all. This is Whoopi Goldberg on The View. Welcome to The View, y'all. The abortion rights battle is starting to blur the lines between church and state. The Archbishop of San Francisco is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called for President Biden to be denied sacrament. This is not your job, dude. (laughs) That is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. You know, what is the saying? It's kind of amazing. Uh, But, you know, what is the point of communion, right? It's for uh, sinners. It's the, for the, for sinners. It's the reward of saints, but the bread of sinners. How dare you? How dare you? That is, if Pope Francis says that that's the issue, but. By the way, Pope Francis has affirmed his archbishop saying it is the obligation of the archbishops to enforce this. Oh, I'm sorry. So yeah, listen, I, I'm, I, we don't need to get it. I'm Presbyterian. First of all, grew up Southern Baptist. I'm not a Catholic, but. The archbishops in the local area get to make that decision, and he said you can't have communion. And all the other bishops in the country, since he is her archbishop, have to adhere to what he has said. She can't get communion. And, um, folks, the pope has backed him up. And so now the left is screaming, get rid of their tax-exempt status. Seriously. Progressive activists are saying get rid of their tax-exempt status, which I guess suggests they're admitting they use taxes as a form of punishment as opposed to just raising money. My goodness. I I blame Philip. I've suddenly gotten into watching the hockey playoffs. The Oilers won against the Flames last night. It was a really good game. Uh, we sat on the front porch, so I'm, I'm going to have to – so I made an ice cream pie. I'm, I will have to send that recipe out if you want to text the word recipe to 33777. It's really easy. I mean, you just crush up a bunch of Chips Ahoy cookies, you put them in like a, a cheesecake pan, and then you put vanilla ice cream on top, and then you pour hot fudge on top of that, then you put cookie dough ice cream on top of that, then you crush up more Chips Ahoy cookies and put them on top, and then you pour caramel on top, and then you freeze it again, and it's, uh, we won't worry about calorie count. I did that in quesadillas last night, 
and made margarita. My margarita recipe was a hit. Put you to sleep. Nonetheless, we watched hockey. Well, so um, my employee, Philip, is a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. I uh, First of all, can we talk about how absurd it is that the state of Florida, where it never freezes, has ice hockey teams? There should be a law against a state. Now, I realize the reason they have them is that a bunch of snowbirds from Canada live in Florida half the year and they want their ice hockey. And so they're catering to all the Yankees who've come down south and want their their ice hockey. And so you got the Tampa Bay Lightning and then you got the Florida Panthers in Miami who made it to the playoffs in a bit of disaster. They're in a playoff game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's three to nothing out of they play up to seven games. If Tampa Bay wins any of the next games they win, they crushed them yesterday. So I'm looking. Here's breaking news report uh, from a sports station down in Florida. Sources say several of the Florida Panthers players were out partying at a Tampa Bay strip club until 3 o'clock this morning. They play the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight after getting their butts kicked yesterday in a 5-1 to one game. Sounds like they're planning on losing today. We'll see. Uh, my goodness. It was a, the, the Edmonton. So when I was a kid, I grew up in Dubai, and one of my friends was from Edmonton, uh, and it was a huge Edmonton Oilers fan. And for the longest time, that was the only team that I knew of in the NHL. I just assumed like they split up into divisions and played each other, and it was Oilers versus Oilers, and then suddenly realized that you've got all these, like the Maple Leafs, and you got all these Canadian teams. And then I discovered that Americans had hockey teams, and it blew my mind. The only people I knew who were hockey fans in Dubai were all my Canadian friends. And then I discovered you've got like the Rangers, and you've got the the uh, Red Wings. And it, now you got all these other teams. Atlanta used to have a a hockey team. I can't even remember what they were. Atlantans were not into hockey. What was the name of the the Atlanta hockey team? Was it which ones? Thrashers. The Thrashers. Thrashers. Yes. And nobody showed up to the Thrashers games, and they got thrashed all the time by the other team. And they finally, I think, moved away to somewhere else. I don't. Know. Now I'm like in my forties and discovered I like bourbon and cigars and need an excuse to drink and smoke on Sunday nights. And so I watch hockey on the front porch with friends. Makes my Baptist friends uncomfortable that I talk openly about them being there. (laughs) Nonetheless, we have to move on now. I can tell you, if you're placing a bet tonight, though, you probably want to go with Tampa Bay, given the stories out there. Nonetheless, Tesla. Do you know I saw an article over the weekend? Hollywood liberals are getting rid of their Teslas and switching to the new Porsche. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Porsche. Porsche. No, I'm sorry. I've got pride. I can't say Porsche. I don't care if it's correct or not. It's ridiculous. Porsche. They wanted me to do an ad at one point, and I had such a hard time saying Porsche instead of Porsche. It went nowhere. I'm sorry. It's Porsche. If you want it to be Porsche, I guess you need to do a big ad campaign because I'm saying Porsche. Those of you who are Porsche owners, you can hate me, but it's Porsche. I grew up saying Porsche. I'm not going to change. You don't like it? I'm sorry. Go tell the woman in HR. Her name is Porsche. Now, these Hollywood liberals 
are switching to the Porsche, which looks just like the Tesla, by the way. It's like an inch higher off the ground and an inch longer, but it otherwise looks like the Tesla, except its styling is a little better and the interiors are better. I mean, the Tesla interior is kind of crap, if we're honest. It's not very good. I mean, Clark Howard buys clothes at Goodwill, and he thinks it's a nice interior. Well, you buy your clothes at Goodwill, Clark. Of course, you think it's a good car. It's got the giant touchscreen, which is cool, but it's no iPad. But the Hollywood liberals are ditching their Teslas for the Porsche because Elon Musk says he's voting Republican now. You're abandoning your vehicle. Some Hollywood liberal on Twitter with a blue check and hundreds of thousands of followers, said he feels like his car with that T on the back now has a MAGA sticker. Really? These are the most superficial people on planet Earth. And they they want to abandon their Teslas because of the political perf- – you know, can you – what a pampered, precious world you live in. I couldn't go watch a movie – if I was worried about the politics of the actors, I, could, I couldn't do it because they're all a bunch of leftists. So they expect me to give them money and watch their movies. But God help them. They drive a Tesla because Elon Musk says he's voting Republican. Well, now Tesla is asking its owners to do something. Nope, he's not asking them to vote MAGA or get a gun or asking them to to protest Davos. Tesla is asking its owners not to charge their vehicles much because there's a heat wave in Texas and they're afraid that Texas won't be able to keep up with its power grid, won't be able to keep up. Tesla owners saw a warning on their screens asking them to limit charging during peak hours to relieve Texas's power grid. The notice reads, a heat wave is expected to impact the grid in Texas over the next few days. The grid operator recommends to avoid charging during peak hours between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. if possible to help statewide efforts to manage demand. How embarrassing. Tesla's doing its part. This isn't a Tesla problem. This is a Texas problem. At least now I've got a Whataburger nearby me, so I don't have to go to Texas to get Whataburger. But Whataburger is always better in Texas because they get the Dr. Pepper to carbonation ratio proper in Texas. Nonetheless, I see your I see your Whataburger cup over there. Andrew has his Whataburger. Whataburger is far better than In-N-Out, just so you people know. Now, I realize that if you're one of those precious children who goes to the West Coast, they put scripture on their styrofoam cups that are killing the planet. I love In-N-Out because they love Jesus, and they have this seafood secret menu that literally everyone on planet Earth knows about, and so they're fantastic, Duh, but they're not Whataburger. Texas's power grid doesn't have the best of reputations lately, according to thedrive.com, especially during inclement weather. Whether it's a snowstorm or an extreme heat wave, the Lone Star State's isolated power infrastructure seems to have a bit of an issue staying afloat when demand for power increases. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT, announced last week that six of its power generation facilities went offline following high demand for power during a heat wave. During the outage, the six stations would have produced enough electricity to power more than half a million homes. Electric automaker Tesla, now headquartered in Texas, 
followed up by asking owners of its vehicles to avoid charging their cars during peak hours in order to help prevent a further increase in demand for electricity. The National Weather Service said the average temperature in Dallas for the month of May is around 73 degrees. During the recent heat wave, it rose to 83 and spiked as high as 94 degrees. A week later, however, things aren't cooling down much. In fact, that goes for nearly half the country as summer-like weather is expected to blanket the southeast with temperatures above 90 during the weekend. For electric vehicle owners in Texas, conserving electricity doesn't just mean charging during all peak hours. It means adjusting driving habits, perhaps driving less overall or not during have the air conditioner turned down as much. Given that Texas also has the third highest number of electric cars registered in the U.S., it's easy to see how reducing the number of EV charging could reduce stress on the power grid. Um, why are we rolling everyone over to electric vehicles if we can't then plug them in to charge them without stressing the power grid? According to the Wall Street Journal, the average age of vehicles on U.S. roadways has hit a record 12.2 years. Drivers are holding onto cars and trucks longer to avoid high prices on replacements and an inventory shortage at dealerships. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Don't hate me. I'm spoiled. My very first car that I got in 1993 was a 1984 Buick Regal. I wanted an SUV. My parents got me a garage-kept Buick of a geriatric who had died, and he kept the car in his garage, and it was in mint condition, and I needed a big vehicle to travel back and forth between Louisiana and Georgia to go to school. They thought it was a fine idea until my sister commented, oh, look, you can lay down across the back seat. (laughs) Kind of was their undoing at that moment. And there were no cell phones at the day. And at the time, you drove on I-65 between Mobile, Alabama and Montgomery, Alabama, and there was nowhere to stop. There were no gas stations. So my parents got me a giant CB antenna, and I had a CB. I could talk to the AT. You know, which is actually to this day brilliant, because they're better at telling you where the speed traps are than Waze is. They can spot them. So you turn on channel 18 on your CB. That's what they all stay on and give you notification of the stormtroopers. And you know what they mean. They're not talking Star Wars. Nonetheless, my wife to this day ridicules me for that giant antenna, but it came in handy more than once when the 1984 Buick broke down on the side of the road on the way home. One time I came off the interstate, I hit a pothole, and literally all four hutcaps kept on going down the road while the car was stopped. It was very bad. But I, I, we upgraded eventually to a Buick Skylark. You sensing a theme here? And then I traded in the Buick Skylark when I actually, my parents got me that car in college. I finally got my sister-in-law's very old Acura. And when I got a TV contract, I decided I'm buying myself a new car. And I have bought myself a new car ever since. And every three years, I tend to get a new car. Now, there is a reason for that. It's not because I'm some sort of pampered special person. I put I see that. I see that look. I put a hundred thousand miles on a car every three years. Even during COVID, I thought I could I could beat it because I wasn't driving so much, but I was putting a hundred thousand miles on a car every three years. I put about thirty-three to forty thousand miles on the car. And I can, so I've been getting uh, GMC Yukons. 
Uh, there's a dealer here in Atlanta, Jim Ellis. I get all my cars from them. And every three years, uh, they tell me, as long as I keep it 99,999 miles or less, the trade-in value for the car that I get is phenomenal. And so as long as I don't roll over to 100,000 miles, I get a really good trade-in deal. So every three years, I do. And I travel so much, and particularly I travel late at night so much, I don't want to be in, in an old car uh, like I was when I was in college and and dead on the side of the road. Because I, I have been there in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi, at midnight when the radiator goes out. And I don't, I'm at the point in my life where I don't want to do that. And so I, I get new cars. My wife is completely opposite of me. My wife refuses to get rid of her car until it is completely dead and, and irreparable because my wife hates technology. And she knows that every new car she gets is going to have more new technology than the last car. And it just infuriates her that there's such a thing as technology that changes and upgrades. My wife, if she could keep her old like flip phone from the early 90s, she would. Rush Limbaugh, the phone she has now, Rush Limbaugh himself gave it to her right before he died. And she like she were, we're kind of wedded to she can't get rid of this phone now. Rush Limbaugh gave it to her, but she hates it because it's new. It's an iPhone. It actually has like no buttons on it other than on the side. And and technology is scared of my wife. My wife one time smashed an iPhone and it still works. So she put it in the driveway and rode over it with her car to make sure it stopped working. She doesn't like technology. And so I get new cars every three years with all the latest and greatest, and she just wants a like analog system with an FM, AM radio and an 8-track. Nonetheless, people are having to hold on to their cars now because they, they can't get a new car. You can't find new cars. And the left and the government want you to move to an electric car. There's not enough lithium. There aren't enough batteries. There aren't enough parts. You can't get them. And if you do get them, you're contributing to power blackouts around the country. This is no way to run a freaking country. This is no way to run a country. We are becoming a third world country by choice. We're not becoming a third world country by accidents of nature and history. This is a choice of the Biden administration to keep gas prices high. There, Philip was telling me yesterday, he was listening to an economist who was saying, this is the new normal. We're never going to have low gas prices again. We have plenty of supply to do it, but no will by the government to get out of the ground because of the cult of climate change. We have permanently put our people in positions of poverty because of a choice our government has made. And now in Texas, because they went so overboard with renewable power, they don't have baseload power anymore. If you plug in your Tesla, you take out the power grid. This is no way to run the world's greatest country, the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's why the Chinese think they can take us and something's got to give. Now, I want to give you a tip to compound your dollars in the conservative movement to put us on a better course, and that's to take your business to Patriot Mobile because they give a portion of their profits to the conservative movement. So you can be a customer of theirs. You get the same great service everybody else uses. They use the same towers the other companies use, in fact. And you can use them, and then they take a portion of the profits, and they give it to the pro-life cause, the Second Amendment cause, veterans, first responders, conservatives around the country. So you magnify your giving power to the conservative movement by doing business with this Christian conservative company. 
They got great service, and they're 100% U.S.-based. So if you want to call them, you go to 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. They'll give you free activation. Or you can go online, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get fantastic data. You get fantastic voice. You get 5G. Their coverage maps are super specific. Down to your house, you can see how good a coverage you're going to get. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or call them 972-PATRIOT and tell them I sent you. Hello there. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. If you need big loans like $750,000 or more, reach out to my friends, the Frost family. See if they can help you. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Well, speaking of good neighbors, there's one who's not so good right now in Florida. We may spend a little more time with the story next hour. Uh, State Farm has been encouraging its insurance agents in Florida to donate books promoting transgenderism to five-year-olds to their local schools and elementary libraries, according to an email shared by a whistleblower. The email obtained by the nonprofit organization Consumers Research and shared with the Washington Examiner revealed that State Farm has partnered with Gender Cool Project, which promotes issues of gender identity in children through various advocacy and public awareness groups, to donate a packet of three books to local school and public libraries. The three books are a child, a kid's book about being transgender, a kid's book about being non-binary, and a kid's book about being inclusive. They contain various descriptions about gender and identity meant to disprove the notion that gender is the same as biological sex and establish that it is therefore changeable. The Gender Cool Project markets the three-book bundle to children ages five and over, a fact noted in the whistleblower email. The project's goal is to increase representation of LGBTQ plus books and support our communities in having challenging, important, empowering conversations with five-year-olds. The email says, with five-year-olds, my gosh. Of course, State Farm agents are pretty furious that they were blindsided by the story. We'll talk about this more, but we got to talk about the Southern Baptists when we come back. Oh, yes, we do.